when I uh, meet with couples for premarital counseling, I always ask them to look at how they disagree, how they fight. It's not usually something people want to focus on, but it is essential to look at it. Because while we hope to be in relationships that are, that are conflict-free, the reality is that we fail one another and we harm one another, sometimes against our best intentions. Conflict is hard, but conflict is also real. It is also inevitable. With couples, the key is not to avoid conflict as if that was possible. Rather, the key becomes, how do they do conflict well? How do they engage in, in healthy conflict so that a deeper closeness can emerge? How could they be in dispute and still care for, for and respect one another? How can they show each other love even when they are looking to address harm? In this morning's gospel lesson, Jesus is essentially inviting his community of followers to reflect on the same questions. Jesus is being realistic and he's telling his followers that conflict is inevitable. And so the method that Jesus offers is one way of trying to do conflict well. Now, the way that Jesus offers is not a one size fits all type of thing because this way will not always be healthy or effective in every instance. Moreover, there is room for abuse and misconduct in this method that Jesus offers us. This practice of dealing with conflict is not perfect because people are not perfect. But in the appropriate instances, in a community that is grounded in love and that looks to do, harm, to, to, to do no harm to the neighbor, Jesus is offering an intentional way of pursuing reconciliation. Jesus offers this method in the hopes of calling an offender to a place where they can acknowledge the harm that they have committed and look to address it. First, the offended party confronts the offender with the harm in a way that is sensitive to both parties' needs by addressing the issue privately. Then, if that does not work, then another person or two is included in the conflict to facilitate understanding and to protect against misrepresentation. If that doesn't work, then the whole community becomes involved because when harm is caused, it affects the whole community. If still, even then, the harm cannot be acknowledged, then the offender is to be excluded from the community. Not as an abandonment, not as an ultimate rejection, but rather in the hopes that the offender will finally come to their senses and acknowledge the wrong that they have committed. If you are worried that this person is to be treated like a, a Gentile and a tax collector, right? Then it's worth remembering that Jesus 
embraced both. If you're worried about where the forgiveness is in all of this, then just wait until next week's lesson when Jesus gives his followers the, the seemingly unrealistic instruction to forgive to the extreme. All of this is done as a way of attempting to fix the rift that is formed in the community over the committed offense and to begin to, to heal a wound to the body of Christ. And moreover, here Jesus calls on his followers to be brave. For here is a method that calls on the offended party to have the courage to bring the conflict that is already there into the light so that the possibility of reconciliation can emerge. And all the while, it calls on the offender to be brave and to admit their fault and seek to repair the damage they have caused. And all the while, all the while, Jesus promises to be in the midst of them. We might think that Jesus would, would promise to be present when only when everyone is getting along. But Jesus makes this strong promise about being present with his followers, not only when everyone is getting along, but even when conflict is taking place. Jesus tells them and us, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am among them. It's worth recognizing that in this context, the two or three who are gathered together are the people who are in conflict. Jesus promises to be right there in the midst of them. And as such, Jesus is giving his followers courage. For Jesus is with us, even in conflict, maybe even especially in conflict, as a force for healing, as a force for forgiveness, and as the power of reconciliation amongst us. What stands out for me in, in all of this is what this says about conflict. Jesus asks the church to be upfront about conflict and to not be scared by it. Jesus calls on the community to move into a form of healthy conflict that hopes at reconciliation and the restoration of relationship. Conflict is not something to be sought out for its own sake, but nor is it something from which we should run when conflicts arise. For after harm has been caused, we must move through and address that harm for a transformation to emerge. The church is to engage in conflict in hope that a deepened unity can emerge on the other side. And as such, we are not called to hide ourselves from conflict. Rather, the church is called to awareness and courage. We are to face conflict, both within the community itself, but also in the wider world. It is only in this way that the church can be the loving community that Paul upholds in today's lesson from the letter to the Romans. Only by willing to risk conflict 
can we truly say that we are loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. Now, I am sure that it is clear to us all that we are in a time of profound conflict in our nation. We might think that the spiritual thing to do is to somehow float above it, aloof from all of the trouble and enmity. Some of us might hope that we could, we could pull ourselves into a little bubble and shield ourselves from the storms going on around us. Of course, this is not our fate, but nor is it our calling. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be in places of chaos, to be in places of conflict. We are called to be in the world working for justice and peace. We are to uphold the dignity of every human being. We are to, to witness to the fact that every person is created in the image and likeness of God and therefore worthy of our respect and worthy of our love. And this witness necessarily brings with it the necessity of conflict. To uphold the dignity of every human being in this world is to wade right into the midst of conflict. And as I look at this era where the, the white supremacy of our social order is being revealed more and more, then I know that the church has been asked to choose whether it will be faithful to the God of justice or whether it will be complicit to the injustice of the status quo. I look at the, at the crisis of cruelty and selfishness in our society that, that looks to degrade the most vulnerable among us. And I know that the church is called to stand in solidarity with them. I look at this era of, of predatory delay around climate change. And I know the church is called to advocate for the care and stewardship of God's creation. These are times of conflict. And Jesus is calling the church to be a community that witnesses to God's love for all people, that upholds the dignity of every human being and the whole of creation, and that works for justice and authentic peace. And that means we need to be willing to risk conflict along the way. The good news, the good news in all of this is that Jesus promises to be with us. The good news, the good news in all of this is that God has already won the victory in Christ. The good news is that love will conquer all and that all enmity and division will fall. And our task is to bear witness to this good news. Our task is to bear witness and to be a sign of God's love in the world. So may God bless us and may God give us the strength and courage to proclaim God's love to the world, even in and especially in the midst of conflict. Amen.